Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is BFC Live for Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis since 2017 through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real-world and virtual events. We've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. As a reminder, all BFC Lives are available via podcast wherever you get your podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast when you do subscribe to it. It helps us do what we do. Coming up, our weekly conversation with Liz Tahura, the co-founder and president of BDSA, the official insights partner of the Business of Cannabis. Here's what we are up to at Business of Cannabis for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, Allison McMahon from Cannabis at Work will join us to talk about their salary survey that they do on an annual basis. On Friday, Michael Crestel, uh, the executive chairman at Denate, uh, Denalio, uh, who just got their processing license, uh, we're going to be talking about gummies, gummies, and more gummies. Also on Friday, we have a Lunch and Learn series presented by Shopify with Robbie Madan. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Alcana. He's going to be talking about how they launched their e-com plot site on the Shopify platform for Nova. As always, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and our website, businessofcannabis.ca. Thank you to our ongoing partners of Business of Cannabis, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support. As always, we are protected by our partners at Alcit. Enjoy this conversation with Liz Tahura of BDSA. Enjoy. Liz Tahura, thanks for being here. Hello, Jay. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. We really look forward to our Wednesdays because we know we're going to be learning something. And as a lifelong learner, uh, learning anything is great, and we are happy to have you here. What are we going to be talking about today from the files of BDSA? Yeah, we are going to take a little bit of a look into CBD. Uh, we've got some really interesting data, both on the consumer and the retail side, coming out of the U.S. Uh, that I think can illuminate some of the opportunities and uh, and trends that will be pretty interesting to watch in Canada as that market starts to ramp up. Good, because uh, the companies here, as um, you have read this week, could use all the help they can get with how to sell products that people want. So uh, I'm going to hand it over to you and uh, looking forward to a view of CBD uh, from your end. All right, so let's dive in and take a little bit of a look at what's going on with CBD. So I thought before we jump into CBD specifically, I uh, wanted to give you all just a little bit of an update, kind of a check-in on COVID um, and what's going on for cannabis as a whole. Uh, as you all know, and as we've discussed in, in many sessions, uh, we recently released or are about to release our wave six of consumer research. And in addition to having all that great data um, on Canada trends and looking at Cannabis 2.0, we did actually ask some specific questions about uh, COVID-related behaviors in particular. Um, so interesting to see that the self-reported behavior changes uh, lines up pretty well with the retail and sales trends that we've been chatting about, uh, Jay, for the past few months. So about two thirds of consumers saying that their uh, shopping frequency is either increasing or not changing. Um, and slightly more, about three fourths saying that their cannabis consumption 
is either increasing or not changing due to COVID-19. Uh, so pretty significant majorities there. Uh, reasons for shopping, reasons for, for changing shopping behaviors, you know, again, pretty, uh, pretty unsurprising based on the trends we've been following. Uh, you know, fears of longer stay at home or shelter in place orders uh, becoming the top and primary motivator. Um, and as you remember, Jay, a couple weeks ago, we were looking at that slide uh, showing that uh, that decrease in shopping visits and that increase in stock up behavior that we've been watching and watching trend over time. So, so certainly seeing this all line up together um, and proving out those hypotheses. Uh, top reported benefits during COVID specifically, probably not a surprise here. People are looking to help, uh, looking for help with relaxation, providing stress relief, or reducing anxiety. Uh, makes a lot of sense, of course, <laughs> through all all of these anxiety producing uh, events that we've been through over the last few months. I resemble that slide closely. <laughs> I bet, I do too. <laughs> Focus group of one here. Uh, <laughs> always interesting to look at the US data when we're talking about comparisons, just because we have a really good year over year comparison available in the US. Um, obviously paying close attention to the month over month growth in Canada, but um, looking at year-over-year -year growth in the U.S. kind of takes out some of those seasonality changes um, and lets us really see kind of what's happening this year versus last year. Uh, so an update there uh, before looking at April specifically, still seeing those uh, pretty across-the-board uh, growth numbers uh, by market, although a little bit less, uh, a little bit less intense than we were seeing in March. So. Um, not so much in the double-digit growth, uh, looking at some, some lower single-digit growth. And of course, the Nevada market, as we've mentioned previously and we've seen before, uh, really struggling uh, based on you know, two things, really, that dependency on tourism in the Nevada market, as well as uh, some regulatory challenges with that mandated delivery that the adult use stores in Nevada were struggling through. Uh, Maryland shows that pretty significant increase there. And again, as a quick reminder, a lot of that increase has to do with increased retail footprint. Uh, so seeing the number of distribution points more than double uh, from last year to this year. So really driving a lot of that increase. Uh, one other US market that's not, uh, that's not shown here, but that we are tracking is the Massachusetts market. Um, and of course, seeing significant declines there in March and April um, as the market was almost entirely um, shut down for that period. Uh, we are continuing to see the trend of medical markets showing higher year-over-year -year growth than the adult use market. So taking Colorado as an example, see that 8% growth in Colorado. Uh, the medical channel was actually up 25% and the adult use or, or adult retail channel uh, was up just 1%, so nearly flat growth there. Um, so, also seeing that trend play out in medical-only markets, like again, Maryland and Arizona. Uh, so, uh, clearly seeing the impact of being an essential business and then also the impact of health and wellness, like impacting consumer purchasing and behavior decisions. And that takes us into talking about CBD. Uh, so, CBD sales specifically within the dispensary channel in the U.S., showed a lot of the same uh, trends that we saw in general, uh, general cannabis. Uh, we do see some slightly higher spikes, um, and part of that is driven by the fact that the CBD category is a smaller category, of course, than the total, uh, total market. So expect to see some bigger swings there, but by and large, really showing very similar patterns uh, to what we saw within the general market. 
Now we talked last week a little bit about CBD and I shared some numbers from 2019 and, and some earlier numbers, but focusing specifically on the March and April period to really look at what's the impact from the COVID period of sales, um, we do see that CBD edibles up double digits, so 13% growth, and that's particularly driven by candy, uh, which was up 33%. And candy, of course, as we know, because we've talked about before, uh, gummies are still the, the majority of sales uh, within the CBD category, as well as within your traditional THC category. Uh, so really seeing those categories driving a lot of that growth. Uh, within the beverage category, certainly seeing a modest increase overall, so about 5% for the entire category across the U.S. Uh, markets that BDSA tracks. And where we're really seeing a driver of growth there is within the carbonated CBD beverage category, which is up over almost 150% over that same period last year. Uh, as we've mentioned before, while BDSA specifically tracks the dispensary or regulated retail channels, uh, our partner, IRI, uh, which is one of the leading global sources of market research um, across general retail and, and general categories, uh, does also track the hemp-based CBD sales within general retail. Um, so really great to be able to see that cross-channel and full category perspective uh, which, of course, is very unique in the U.S., um, and I think does provide some leading indicator uh, sort of trend information um, for Canada as we're thinking about how the CBD market is going to continue to evolve um, along alongside and along with the general cannabis market. Um, here, again, focusing on that, uh, that COVID period, so this is 12 weeks ending June 14th. Uh, seeing strong double-digit growth across all CBD categories within the general retail. So this is going to be grocery, convenience stores, drug stores, etc. Um, 30, you know, mid-30s growth um, across the board there, seeing slightly higher growth in the food and beverage category. So what does this all mean for CBD in the long term? Um, a couple of things to point out. Uh, looking at our consumer insights, and as, um, as we've discussed multiple state and province markets over, over the past weeks, Jay, you probably remember that in general, depending on the state and or province, you know, the percentage of adults consuming cannabis uh, based on the BDSA definition of, of at least once in the past six months, really nuts, usually nuts out somewhere in the mid-30s um, up to the, the low to mid-40s in terms of percent of, a, of adult population. When we break down that entire population of consumers, so all of those who are consuming, what we see in the US, which is really, again, interesting to note and to think about how it's going to impact uh, Canada moving forward, is that the vast majority of cannabis consumers in the US do consume CBD. Um, of course, the majority there consume both marijuana and CBD, so that would be both THC and CBD products. Uh, but just 24% of U.S. consumers only consume THC-based products. Um, of that 76%, you see about, about half are utilizing hemp-derived CBD only, so uh, CBD without the intoxicant effect of THC included. And that half is also likely going to be the half that is shopping out of general retail channels. So those channels that we talk about when we're talking about the IRI data. That other half, uh, of course, utilizing uh, either marijuana-derived only or both hemp and marijuana-derived CBD products. 
It's a huge market. Yeah. It's a significant market. It's a significant percentage of consumers. Um, and I think it could be bigger. Um, and it can be bigger based on this next slide here, uh, which shows kind of where we have opportunity to improve. And that is in education. And uh, even in the US where, um, you know, I think Jay might agree that the US has a bit of a head start from the CBD market perspective, just in terms of um, focus and sophistication and, and what's out there and how long uh, we've been focusing on that market. But even still in 2020, only 22% of US adults 21 plus um, understand what cannabinoids are, so THC versus CBD, and can articulate that definition. Um, and only 42%, so less than half of adults in the U.S. 21 plus uh, state that they're even familiar with CBD. So a long way to go in terms of creating more awareness, uh, more understanding, and really just more education around this category specifically as a subset and, and complement to your sort of traditional THC products. Uh, so the Canada numbers for this are still being crunched, but my hypothesis here is that the numbers would be similar, if not potentially even smaller in Canada. Um, historically, Canada has lagged behind the US a little bit in terms of the percentage of adults who understand and can articulate what CBD versus THC is. Um, so again, it would be interesting to see um, how those numbers are changing in Canada during, uh, during the first part of 2020. Well, that and we haven't had this sort of hemp explosion, if you will, both news and agriculture and all those things, and being able to buy it in stores that are not, you know, cannabis stores. That's a huge challenge on the education front, certainly, to be top of mind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the awareness front, too, you know, just the exposure. Um, and I think, I think having the products available in general retail, uh, right or wrong, uh, does create a little bit of uh, a, a more of a sort of a gateway or a to some consumers purchasing. You know, you think of that 48% of consumers we mentioned earlier who only consume hemp-based or CBD-based products, or hemp-based CBD products, meaning no THC, and also meaning they're likely purchasing out of a general retail channel. Uh, you know, like it or not, there, there is a bit of a barrier to entry with walking into a traditional cannabis retail store. Um, I think that holds true both in the U.S. and in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so having that wider range of uh, distribution points certainly does help. So for those who are consuming, um, why are they consuming? Probably not a surprise here. Uh, very focused on health and wellness. You know, if you remember last week when we were looking at these numbers, Jay, uh, the, probably the, the glaring omission is the relax and be mellow and the have fun, uh, which usually pops up in, in the top three for um, inhalables and edibles, of course. Seeing, uh, seeing here with the CBD products, very, very health and wellness focused. Uh, relief pain being across the board the number one motivator for consuming CBD products. We looked at beverages specifically last, uh, last week and we actually looked at 2019 beverages. So I wanted to update these numbers and then also expand it out just a bit. So switching, switching gears back to those general retail channels um, and thinking about the growth in those channels, you know, we're, we're looking at across all CBD beverage and, um, and edibles, about 130% growth uh, for the, the most recent 52 week period versus uh, same period a year ago. Uh, so again, through the end of, um, or excuse me, through about midway through June until same time uh, one year ago. 
And then all products, including topicals, including um, all types of ingestibles and, and really all, all the products that are available, um, about 90% growth year over year. Um, so continuing to see the CBD category getting a hold in the general retail channels. Um, and this is in spite of some challenges uh, within the US in terms of FDA approval and some also um, you know, some, some regulatory challenges that we have. Uh, so what does it all mean moving forward? Uh, well, so BDSA predicts that the CBD category within the US uh, is going to be an $18 billion category by 2024 <laughs> and $16 billion if you remove the pharmaceutical channel. So if you're just thinking about kind of traditional retail or OTC uh, general retail plus that regulated cannabis retail slash dispensary channel, that is $16 billion market. Um, and I think what to, a couple things that are important to point out when we think about kind of what's next and where the category is going. One is how important edibles are to the category um, overall, to CBD overall, for the next four years or five years or so. And this does present uh, a potential bit of a risk for US CBD in particular, uh, because the FDA is still, has not yet made a decision on CBD as a food additive, um, which does create some barriers to entry, uh, particularly for the really, really big sort of um, traditional CPG brands. We're still seeing very little of those brands coming into the market. Uh, but the good news is that does open up an opportunity for independent brands uh, to fill that space and independent channels to fill that space. So the, the specialty grocery channel um, and those other types of specialty channels. And again, of course, cannabis retail in particular, um, just giving a little bit more breathing room to create that brand awareness and that brand equity from some of these smaller brands. In the US, a dynamic that um, at least today isn't as important uh, up in Canada, but the opportunity for THC focused brands, which traditionally sell out of the dispensary or you know, regulated cannabis channel, uh, to cross over into general retail with CBD products. Again, there's a bit of an opening uh, with some of these larger national CPG brands most likely not being willing to jump in until the FDA and the regulations are sorted out. Again, pre creates this opportunity. Brands like Charlotte's Web, um, and in fact, Canadian brands, you know, brands like Canopy Growth, who are uh, pretty public about their, uh, their strategy of moving into the U.S. with a CBD-based uh, based product line. Other Canadian companies as well could, could kind of go through the list. So uh, sort of a silver lining in terms of some of these regulatory challenges that we're seeing in the market uh, that gives some opportunity, again, for some of these brands to, uh, to really get a good foothold. One last kind of interesting anecdote, what we think might be a bit of a canary in a coal mine. Look at that pet care number. It is relatively small, um, but pet care is really interesting in the US because some, some big, big box channels or chains have started carrying pet CBD products. Um, so again, to mention Charlotte's Web specifically and Pet Relief as well, um, really seeing those, those products starting to get shelf space in the, the big general uh, big box retailers. And that is the category that we're seeing, really the only CBD category that we're seeing start to fall off in the dispensary channel and that regulated cannabis channel. So it does raise a little bit of a flag uh, that customers who are exclusively focused on low to no THC products 
uh, may skip the dispensary altogether if they have alternate shopping opportunities. Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, Jay, with that bit of a barrier to entry um, in terms of going into a, uh, a, a specific cannabis focused store. And also quite frankly, um, convenience as well. You know, mm -hmm. of course, convenience is king um, and even more so now in the days of COVID. Uh, so, so it's just kind of an interesting thing to watch as more and more of these low to no THC products or no THC products are available in general retail. And again, looking at edibles specifically, beverages being part of edibles um, as that big leading indicator category uh, that's going to end up eventually, uh, I believe, driving sort of where these sales end up from a cross-channel perspective. It's, it seems to me... I mean, and this is, this is the question, right? Like, what does it mean to, to the Canadian sector, you know, the, the, the folks that, that we talk to all the time? And if I was a would-be a hemp farmer or a would-be hemp farmer in Canada, I would use these slides to every meeting I go to to say, <laughs> there's nothing but blue sky. We should be allowed to extract our products, put them on shelves that are not in the regular, you know, not in the traditional store. Like, it's just, there's a giant chunk of sales to go get and, and, on the, you know, even if you, you know, on the edible side or the beverage side, CBD only products hemp derived, like it really is blue sky and market that doesn't exist right now here. And I think Indeed. that's. Yeah. Yeah. You think about that 48% again of consumers in the U.S. who only purchase hemp CBD products, which means they're purchasing in channels that are not the regulated uh, cannabis channel. Well, gas stations. Opportunity there. Yeah. It's like gas stations <laughs> on the highway. I mean, you know, we've all Absolutely. driven through. I mean. You know, I was been in New Hampshire, all through New England, all through New York, all through Michigan and Indiana. Like it's it's really it's it's pervasive, which also goes to the education component that you were talking about. That is also super important on all this front, which is why we like checking with you on Wednesdays because it gives us something to think about that is uh, valuable from an industry perspective, from a product development perspective, from a retail perspective. All these things are like so smart. <laughs> well, thanks, Jay. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you'll take it, but like I really, I, I find it. I'm not shining you on, but like Wednesday to Wednesday, I'm thinking a lot about last Wednesday's uh, considerations, and we're, we're getting great feedback, and we super appreciate the the insight you guys provide to us and our audience um, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, we're really happy to do it, Jay. Thanks again for having us as always. Great, thank you, and we will see you next Wednesday. All right, sounds good. Well, actually, we won't see you next Wednesday. It's going to be Canada yes. Day. We will see you a week, uh, a Wednesday hence. That's right. Happy Canada Day a week in advance. <laughs> Thank you. And happy Independence Day next week as well, the end of next Thank week. You. Great. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.